Hey, Matt, good evening. Welcome to Marlbrook Baptist Church. I thought she was going to play another line there, so I was waiting. But uh, good to see each and everybody here this evening. Feels much better in here this evening. Nice and warm. And boy, I tell you what, thank the Lord. I do appreciate everyone that uh, stayed this morning. I know that uh, y'all had to be cold. I told Brother Randy, I said, I thought once I got preaching, I would warm up, and I never really warmed up. So I know y'all said in the pews had to be cold. But I uh, do appreciate y'all uh, sticking with us this morning. Thank the Lord for getting the propane here and nice and warm tonight. And the only problem is now we'll all fall asleep, right, during the service. But uh, good to see each and every one of you. Thank you for being here this evening. We're going to open the service in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, dear Lord, that you did allow the propane truck to come and Lord was able to get our heat on and be able to meet again this evening. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be in the service this evening. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be in the congregational singing, the special singing. You'll be with Aiden as he preaches, and Lord, that you just bless the service tonight, Father, I pray. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to gather together. Lord, we'll praise you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All righty, Brother Randy, you come lead us in the song. <clears throat> All right. If you want to stand up, we're going to sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. some ushers come turn around and wave at everybody let everybody 
See your smiling face. All right. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Amen. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless the heaven. Terry, would you lead us, please? Melissa for that offertory this evening. All right, we're going to sing again, O Great Savior.
Amen. Oh, what a great Savior we have. Amen. All right, just before Aiden comes this evening, this Kale's coming and sing for us. Thank you, Kel, for being willing to come up and sing tonight. And, man, I tell you what, if there's ever a reason that we can praise the Lord, we can praise the Lord that our hope is Jesus. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We can always hope in Jesus. Thank you, Kel, for that song. And thank you guys for the opportunity to come and to speak tonight and to open the Bible with you guys and really look at what God has for us. And I am super excited to be speaking as part of the next-gen service. So Pastor Kent is doing the one at the end of the month. I'm not replacing him by any means. Uh, he's still going to be doing his at the end of the month. And I'm going to be doing one on the second Sunday night of the month. And I'm looking forward to that. And Kel was singing for us tonight. And I really look forward to seeing the kids getting more involved throughout time as the children's ministry goes. And Flourish is seeing them get more involved in this service throughout time. And, man, I'll just be honest with you guys. I have enjoyed being with the kids. You may have noticed I wasn't playing guitar. I haven't been playing guitar, not up here on Wednesday nights. And I have enjoyed being downstairs uh, with the children. I got to teach CG3 for the first time uh, since our break right around Christmas time last Wednesday. And we had a blast down. I had a blast down there. And I think the kids did as well. We had a great time and really got to dive into God's word and just see what God had for us there. And then uh, with Brother Homan being sick, I've gladly been able to fill in for him down there. And I was last Sunday and then this Sunday morning. And man, I wish that you guys could just hear the kids down there singing when they don't know you're listening. They sound awesome. And I just enjoy uh, 
being with them and interacting with them and being able to take the truths of Scripture and share with them and, and see them ego to loan and ego to grow. And man, it is a blessing to see kids so excited about the things of God, even at an early age. And I'm definitely excited to be a part of that ministry and seeing it grow. And thank you guys for the opportunity to be your children's director. I haven't got to thank most of you guys publicly. And so I thank you guys for allowing me to be the children's director here at the church and for your support in that. And we do look forward to God doing big things and amazing things throughout that ministry as we foster relationships in children and carry into the teen ministry and eventually into the pews where you guys are right now. And we see the next generation of the church growing even from a young age all the way up and just want to thank you guys because without y'all bringing your kids to church or supporting that ministry, it just wouldn't take place. So thank you for that. Uh, I really do. When I look at society and kind of where I want us to be tonight, it amazes me at how hungry a society is for something. I mean, I, don't, I was looking just now right before service. I was doing a couple quick searches, uh, and I found that there are 5.6 billion, 5.6 billion Google searches in a 24-hour day. That's around 63,000 Google searches. This is only on a Google search and many other searches. Around 63,000 Google searches per second. People looking for information, looking for products, looking for places. 63,000 worldwide searches made on Google per second. I was looking at and Amazon makes an over $4,000 worth of sales every second. $283,000 worth of sales every minute and $17 million worth of sales every day is what Amazon is grossing as sales. When you look at society, it's not hard to see that they're searching for something. And man, when you go into the workplace society, if you, if you work and you're around people, you see that they want the money to buy the product. And when the product doesn't fulfill, they want more money to buy more product. And, and people are searching for knowledge all over the place, anything that may be true. If you look at the news, you can see 18 different stories. None of them may be true. One of them may be true. You don't know. But there's information out there, and people love to watch the news, they love to research, they love to find out information. We, we see a society that is looking for something that satisfies, for something that is enough, and, and oftentimes they come up short, and yet they continue to search and continue to search. And tonight I want to bring to you a sermon, and, and my hope is that it's a short one, I'll let you guys go home a little bit early tonight, but I want to bring you a sermon, Jesus is enough, Jesus is enough. Now, here in the church, we know that and we're confident in the fact that Jesus is enough. But tonight, I want to perhaps remind us that Jesus is enough. Because a lot of times what I see is due to the fact that we live in the sin coast world along with, with those who are searching like crazy, we find ourselves falling into the same routine that they are. Going from thing to thing, from place to place, searching for something that is enough. And we forget about the fact that Jesus is enough. The message isn't complex and the message isn't really deep or hard to understand, but it's often forgotten. And tonight, with the Lord being my help, I want to look at the fact that Jesus is enough. Let's pray and we're going to dive into God's word and we're going to see what he has for us and then we'll head on home. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. And God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to work with the children and um, I'm thankful to be up here, God. I'm thankful for all the children involved in the service tonight and here to listen to the word of God tonight. And, and God, I pray that you would be with me as I bring the message. I pray you would forgive me of any sin, God, of any shortcoming of, of any of myself that may get in the way of the message tonight. And let me speak the words that you have, God. Let me speak the words that you would have the people to hear. And God, may it be an encouragement to us. And as we open our Bibles, allow us to open our hearts and our minds, God, and to remember the fact that you are enough. And God, to devote who we are back to you. Instead of spending all of our energy pursuing something that is enough when you're standing there waiting at the door, God. And if there be one that's not saved tonight as they listen to the message, God, may they realize that you are enough and give their life over to you. And we'll thank you for it. And in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I'm going to show you three simple things. Now, when it comes to looking at the fact that Jesus is enough to adequately cover the topic, I would have to cover every deficiency of man. And it would take far too long for tonight, so I'm only going to cover three areas. I want to show you tonight that Jesus completely satisfies. He completely supplies and he completely sanctifies. We're going to start off by looking at the fact that Jesus completely satisfies. Jesus completely satisfies. Three areas I want to show you where Jesus completely satisfies tonight. First off, he satisfies the weary. He satisfies the weary. Jeremiah 31, verse number 25, the Bible says, For I have satiated the weary soul. And I have replenished every sorrowful soul. That word satiated there, I bet most of you haven't heard it. You haven't been familiar with it. Basically, all that it's meaning is 
I've satisfied the weary soul. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been hiking on a summer day, if you work construction, you work outside, if you've ever split wood on any day, then you've probably experienced this feeling. And it's you get to a point where you're so hot that you're not looking to eat anything. You're not really looking to drink anything. You're drenched in sweat. You're hot. Your stomach's a little bit upset. You've been, you've been given all this energy and all this effort, and you're tired. And I don't know how many times I've come home in the summer, and Danielle will be like, are you ready to eat? And I'll be like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to cool down for a little bit. I'm too hot right now. You're weary. You see, when you're weary, a lot of times being satisfied is, is not even a thought. It's not even something that you would consider possible at this time because you're weary, you're exhausted, you're depleted, you don't have anything left to give. And being satisfied is so far from where you're at in the same way that a lot of times when you're really hot or really exhausted, you don't want anything to eat, you don't want to be satisfied in that way. You don't want to be satisfied when you're weary. And man, I know a lot of people today that are weary. I look around and I see people that have been trying so hard to find some form of fulfillment. They've been trying to find some form of gratification, some form of success, and, and they've been looking everywhere. And they've come to a place now where they honestly don't believe, they genuinely do not believe that being satisfied is possible. They wake up and they go to work. They own a paycheck and, and they give their everything, but they come home unsatisfied. They go to bed and they wake up if they sleep hardly at all and repeat, repeat, repeat. And Satisfaction has become something that honestly they don't think is possible. And if you know much about the story of Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, then you know in his life, man, he was weary. And oftentimes, if you have read through the book of Jeremiah, and if you haven't, dive into that. If you're ever feeling down, if you're ever feeling empty, that's a great book for you. And you see, Jeremiah is weary. He's, he's wanting to give up, and he doesn't think that being satisfied is an option either. And here the Lord says, I've satiated the weary soul, I have satisfied the weary soul. The one who is empty, the one who is depleted, the one who has nothing left to give, who says, I don't even know if being satisfied is humanly possible for me. I don't know if being satisfied on this earth in this life is possible. I think that I will always deal with this feeling of emptiness, this feeling of lack of self-respect, this, this feeling of I'm not good enough. And God says, I can satisfy you. He satisfies the weary, but he satisfies the thirsty. He satisfies the thirsty. Turn your Bibles to John 4. John chapter 4. You guys know this verse. You really don't need to turn your Bibles there. You probably quote it. But as you turn, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting Life. He satisfies those who are thirsty. Sadly, when you look across even Christianity, you see those again and again and again who are putting more effort into works. And they're thirsty. Man, they're thirsting to feel that they've satisfied God. They're thirsting to feel that, that as a Christian they've accomplished good things and they're not relying on Jesus to get to heaven and they're putting all this effort into coming to owning their way to heaven. And they're still thirsty. You look and you see those in the world and they go again from thing to thing to thing. From thing to thing to thing. 63,000 searches on Google. Thousands of dollars. $17 billion a day worth of products consumed off of one website alone. People searching for something. They're thirsty and they're searching for something and not satisfied. And Jesus says here in the Bible so plainly, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've had some amazing water, okay? Now, there's different types of water. you got the water in a bottle, and this just keeps you alive, and that's it, okay? There is no flavor. There is no taste. That's just water, um, and that'll keep you alive, but that's it. Then you have the not-so-good water. You get it down to somebody's sink, and, like, you turn it on, you set your glass down, and you're like, was this cup dirty? But it's not dirty. It's just all the minerals in the water, and you go to drink it, and you're, like, hydrated, but your mouth is dry because of all the minerals, or you drink it straight from a creek, and depending on where at, up the mountain, you drink from a creek, the value of the water uh, decreases rapidly the further down the mountain you come. And there's just water. But then there is also the water from a spring. I don't know if you guys have ever drank water from a fresh spring. Okay, cold, you know what I'm talking about? Nice and cold and tastes good. It's not 
bland water, okay? I don't know how to tell you what it tastes like. If you don't know, I'm sure Terry knows where one's at or Greg can set you up. Just get with them. They'll take you to a spring, and you guys can just get down on your knees, take you a little metal spoon, uh, one of those dips, dip you out some water, and take a drink. Let me tell you what, it will change your life. Seriously, it will change your life to drink some fresh spring water. I, I don't care if it says from a spring on the bottle. It's not from a spring. Fresh spring water, straight from the ground into your mouth. That water tastes awesome. The problem is, I've drank it before. And man, I can't tell you, I'll go hiking, and you'll be walking, and you got this water bottle, and the water's like 90 degrees, it's been hanging on your backpack all day, you're just drinking and drinking, and like just trying not to die, but you're also not really into warm water, time out, dad drinks warm water, I don't know if anyone else does that, weirdest thing ever, he loves lukewarm water, alright, time back in, you're walking though, and you're drinking this warm water, and you find yourself not wanting it, you're like, I'm just not going to drink, and you stroll by the spring, dump it out, over to the spring, fill it up, drink. You know what I'm saying? Man, that adds 10 miles to whatever you can hike in a day. If you're like, I can bang out 8 miles a day, 18 if you got spring water. And I'm not kidding. It's that big of a difference. But the problem is, it's the best ever right off a mountainside. But you still wind up being thirsty again. I've drank spring water multiple times. And when I'm done preaching, I'm going to drink this bottle of water here because I'm thirsty again. And, man, let me tell you what, the world can offer some things that seem like the best. And when you drink it, man, it satisfies. And, wow, you tell other people, you've got to try this water. You've got to try this from the world, and it satisfies. Oh, and it's gratifying, and, and you are a big fan. But the problem is, after a while, you're thirsty again. And you may go back to the same thing again, and, and it still tastes good, but after a while, you're thirsty again. And, man, it don't matter what spring you find. You talk to somebody hiking the Appalachian or through hiking, those guys are in crazy good shape. And when they just hike up, stay in Maine, hike down, stay in Georgia, hike up, stay in Maine, hike down, stay in Georgia, spend their whole lives on this trail. Don't know how they do it, but they can do it again and again and again. Those people who take a sabbatical and go hike the whole Appalachian Trail. There's not one spring they've ever found down in Georgia at the base of the trail where they fill up, drink up, and then hike to Maine. It doesn't matter because... There's just not that kind of water. And man, in life, let me tell you what, there's not that kind of water. But a, but a lot of times what we find is people are looking. People are searching. Where can I drink and not be thirsty again? And they can't find it. But in Jesus, he says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Jesus completely satisfies. You don't need to be thirsty again. You don't need to go back to drinking. But what I find a lot of Christians doing is having this well right here, this spring right here, and it's the best water. And once you drink from this, you never thirst again. And they're over here. Drinking up. Not good. Doesn't taste like anything. Plastic bottle, not good for the environment. And here they are. Drink from my water and you never thirst again. And we get saved. And we go back. What can satisfy me over here? What spring can I drink from? Yeah. Over here. But Jesus satisfies the thirsty. I just want to throw this in here too. Jesus can satisfy everything. I don't know where you're at or, or what you're going through. But Jesus can satisfy you. You say, you don't know what I've been through in my past. Jesus can satisfy you. Psalms 145.16 says this, Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Of every living thing. A lot of times, we as Christians get in this kind of idea that Jesus satisfies us. But it's almost like we don't really trust that he can satisfy someone else. And I say this because if I really, truly believed that Jesus could satisfy anyone, wouldn't I do a better job telling everyone? Man, I see so many people around me, and they've got problems. They're empty. 
And I must assume that I don't genuinely believe all the time that Jesus can satisfy them because I interact with them and I leave. Never telling them that Jesus can satisfy everyone. It will do us good as Christians to remember for ourselves no matter what situation you're in. A lot, of times, a lot of times we get to the point where we think, well, I am a Christian and I still feel unsatisfied, so apparently Jesus can't satisfy me. But Jesus can satisfy everything. Man, when I look, a lot of times I think, I think that Christians give minimum effort with maximum expectation. Minimum effort, maximum expectation. Meaning that I'm going to spend my energy and my effort pursuing really what the devil offers. And you say, no, I don't, pers- I don't pursue evil things. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, come, I'll meet you there. But a lot of the things that we enjoy aren't necessarily bad, but they're not from God. They're not from God. You say, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in, uh, into anything that's really bad. My music is clean. My TV is clean. My, my hobbies are clean. There's nothing that you can really tag on me. But the problem is I spend all my time on my music and my hobbies and my TV, which are clean, and, and God's over here trying to satisfy me. And I'm over here wondering why I'm not satisfied. I come to church. Yes, I do. But a lot of times my effort is so minimal and my expectation is so maximum, and I'm saying, God, why am I not satisfied? How can I tell them that you can satisfy them when, when I feel empty, God, when, I, when I'm struggling with this? And God is saying, you're giving minimum effort with maximum expectation. The other day, I was talking to Dad, and I was, I was in the office, and we were standing down uh, by the coffee maker, and Dad was talking, and he's like, so I've been reading my Bible through, you know, I'm a pastor, pastors read the Bible through, and I was like, yeah, and he's like, um, so I'm, I've decided this year I'm going to read my Bible through, I'm going to read it through, uh, Four times in a year, I'm like, okay, wow, go you. You really want to try to figure something out? I'm going to read the Bible through four times in a year. And, you know, he wasn't being braggadocious or anything at all. He was just telling me this is my plan. And and, uh, he he wasn't even encouraging me to do it or anything. He was just holding a conversation with me about his plan. And he's like, I think it would be good for me. And so I was doing some research. And he's like, if I read right at an hour a day uh, or a little bit under an hour a day, I can can read the Bible through four times uh, in a year. He's like, I think it would be good for me to be able to consume the Bible four times a year just to build familiarity with the Bible, familiarity with the topic. And I was like, yeah, yeah, go you, you know, good for you. all right, conversation's over. I go to my office, and he goes to his. And, you know, since then, God started working on my heart. He's like, why don't you read your Bible through four times a year, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't have time, okay? I get up early, and three days of the week I build houses, and that, I'm so tired after that, God, that, like, I can't really focus even if I did read it. And the other two days, like, I'm already at the church studying and stuff, so is it really necessary? And he's just like, why don't you read your Bible through four times in a year, you know? And I was like, no, no. And I started looking at my, my time schedule. And most of the time, I'll get home. I'll spend some time with the wife. And I'll spend some time with them. And we'll eat dinner and stuff. And then typically, we turn on a TV show. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Just a TV show. We'll watch one or two episodes of a TV show. And then we go to sleep. And God started convicting me. He's like, you want to know how long that TV show you watch is? And I was like, yeah, yeah, how long? He's like, 45 minutes. And I was like, OK. He's like, that's about how long it would take you to read the Bible through four times a year. I'm like, yeah, God, you know, I, I agree with you there, but I'm trying to spend family time. And he's like, well, you can spend as much family time looking at the Bible as you can looking at a TV screen. Why don't you take those 45 minutes and try putting them in the Bible? I'm like, yeah, God, you know, um, but I'm, I'm tired. And he's like, but if you can pay attention enough to keep up with your TV show, you can pay attention enough to keep up with the theme of my world. Why don't you try putting in a little more effort over here and you know what, I'm reading my Bible through four times in a year, and we're going to see how it goes. And if I, don't, if I don't get it four times a year, that's fine. But for a lot of you guys, you're like, wow, I wish I had more time to do my devotions. I really do. It's, it is incredible how busy life is. That's not by accident. Satan will do anything that he can to make you think that you have absolutely no time for God. And he's not dumb enough, he's not dumb enough to give you things that are obviously wrong. He'll give you good things. He'll give you things that are clean. He'll create edifying TV shows. He'll create good music and, and put it all, the, all around you. And we go to sleep every night wondering, God, why do I feel empty as a Christian? Why am I not satisfied, God? Minimum effort. Maximum expectation. But let me tell you what, God can satisfy everything. It would be great if we put some effort in. And by the way, 45 minutes a day, you read your Bible through every 90 days, four times a year. Try it. Um, I'll just put that advertisement out there. Jesus can satisfy everything, but he completely supplies 
He completely supplies. I want to show you in Philippians 4.19, you guys know this verse. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't it good that we serve a God who didn't say, this is my expectation of you, and this is the life that I want you to live, and this is how much effort I want you to give to me, and this is how much time I'm going to take, and I'm going to give you no help on the tail end of making that happen. Once you get saved, this is what I expect, and you have to make it happen, and I'm no help. That's not what he did. He said, this is what I want from you, and above and beyond that, guys, hey, I'll supply you every need. He supplies our every physical need, all of our physical needs. Matthew, in chapter number 6, I'll read them to you. You don't feel the need to turn there. Matthew, chapter number 6, verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth the that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Man, let me just be honest with you, just be transparent with you. When I first got married and and started uh, a family, um, my concern is it's clear in the Bible, okay, that I'm to be the provider for my family, which means that I need to provide a a good life for my family. Um, And it was really easy for me to put the things of God on the side, to do what was supposed to be a good thing, to provide. And man, I worked a lot. Uh, I worked long hours. And the things of God, a lot of times got pushed to the side, or at least to the back burner. Because I was like, I have got to make this happen over here. But let me, let me remind you of something. If you're safe tonight, then you're a Christian. And you have a heavenly father who says, put me first, and I'll take care of all your other things. Put me first in your physical needs. I'll take care of you. Don't need to even worry about them. And guys, tonight, I don't know where you're at. But I guarantee you that for some of us in the building tonight, we're putting a lot of physical concerns ahead of heavenly things. But Jesus is going to supply those anyway. We're just wasting time. If we would just come to God and say, God, you know I have this need, but I know this is where you want me. Would you feel the need? He'll do it every time. But he also supplies our emotional needs. He supplies for our emotional needs. The Bible says, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses real quick. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Isaiah 26, 3, that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Psalms 34, 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I was looking up different emotions. And there's not one emotion that we can go through that God can't supply. A lot of times, we know that God is able to supply physical things. And we go for him for physical things. God, I have this bill, and I really need it paid. Could you come through? And we have faith that he'll come through. But it's almost like we forget that God created emotions. We, we remember that he created the physical things around us, but we forget that he created emotions. And we'll be going through a fear. We'll be having anxiety. We'll be having worry. We'll be, we'll be up and really trying to work through an emotion. And God can supply for that. A lot of times we keep him on the outside when God's saying, look, I created that emotional void and, and I can feel it if you would let me. Supplies our emotional need, but most of all, he supplies our spiritual need. He supplies our spiritual need. Romans 8, verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also give us all things? Each and every one of us have a spiritual need. and I think a lot of times the reason that we feel dissatisfied is because we try to fulfill physically the void that was created spiritually. And, and we're looking for something to fill a void that, that only a spiritual thing could fill. And, and especially those around us, the unsaved, uh, the lost, that, that we should be sharing the gospel with, they're looking to fill that spiritual need. And Jesus Christ supplied that spiritual need. 
You know, when I had Emma, we was in the hospital and blue lights and everything else, and you're sitting there, and eventually hospital food kind of gets old, and the one TV show that's on that you can actually make sense of is old, and you're just sitting there thinking, and I was thinking, man, how could parents have a kid and raise that kid if Jesus hadn't supplied for that spiritual need? Man, to have a kid and bring them into this earth, knowing that, that when they died, there was a spiritual need that had to be filled, and if Jesus had never came to fill that need, and if he had never died on the cross to fill that need, how could you do that? To know that you were just bringing someone into the world who would then just die and, and be doomed to an eternity away from God. But Christ did come, and, and he did supply an answer for that spiritual need. And in light of that, it is our job to go tell those who don't know. And you say, well, they're in the Bible Belt, and there's churches all around them. Our live stream goes out, and there's tracks everywhere, and it's impossible not to know in this area that Jesus Christ came and died for them. There's no one who doesn't know. But let me tell you what. I've spoke in this community within 10 miles of this church with people who look at me and say, I didn't know. Jesus died for me. I didn't know that I could be saved. I didn't know that that's what I was missing in this life. And because we are so familiar with what the Bible says, and we're so familiar with the fact that Jesus supplied our spiritual need, and we don't have to spend an eternity away from God, that we assume others are, and they're rejecting it. But more often than what you think, there are unchurched people that you go by every day, unreached people, who would love to know that Jesus filled that spiritual Need and finally and quickly, I'll let you. Like I said, I want to let you guys out early tonight. I want to go over the play, the the point. He completely sanctifies you. First Thessalonians five twenty three. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and your whole soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. The beginning of that verse. Man, I just want to say I'm glad that God didn't just save me and then leave me alone and say, good luck, figure it out. I want to show you sanctification from just a couple different viewpoints. We'll wrap up and we'll go home tonight. First, I want to show you the, the sanctification work from God's point of view. Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to thank God that he is not a quitter. I tell you what, I work in woodworking, okay? And, and for some of you carpenters, you get this. For some of you, perhaps not so much. Uh, when you're woodworking, the quality of the wood that you work with is everything, okay? So now, if you're working with an oak, that's probably going to irritate you pretty quickly because your chisel is going to get dull, your hand plane is not going to work good, and it's not going to shape very easily. Now, y'all might think I'm weird. If you're working with a nice soft pine, Things go really well. If you're working with a cedar, you can look extremely intelligent and know very little. That wood is so soft, you can just manipulate it. You can curve it with your pocket knife and make it look beautiful. And, and then there's this wood, and if you ever see it, please don't use it and definitely don't give any to me. It's, it's an ash tree that has been put in a kiln, okay, and it's been dried almost to the point of boning. And it's called caramelized ash, and it is the most brittle piece of wood ever, ever. It will snap, it will break, it will chip. You'll take your hand plane, do a nice smooth stroke, and all of a sudden there's a quarter-inch gouge right down in the middle. It just snaps right off. And Man, when I work with that wood, my patience level is very small, very, very small, meaning that as soon as something goes wrong, trash, and I'm starting over with the new one. As soon as I get just a little bit of dip in it with my sander, trash, and I'm starting over with the new one. And honestly, unless we're kind of getting low in the wood pile, if wood starts breaking on me, I'm not wasting my time with it. It's just like gone, broken, gone, 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 trash. And dad ends up boning it all in his wood stove. It's kindling because I just stole it in the back of my truck, take it to him, and he can bone it up. And especially with that ash wood, uh, it's not a good product to start with. Well, the bugs don't eat it, and it's weatherproof. So, I mean, I guess it's a good product. But it's not a good product to work with. And if I have any excuse at all, I throw it away. Um, that's just me. Jason, you didn't hear that. <laughs> um, but, no, I, don't, I really don't like working with that ash wood. But for God, when he's sitting there and he's working so hard to get just this beautiful piece, this beautiful door, this beautiful piece of furniture, whatever it is, and we snap and we gouge. Man, I'm thankful they didn't say, trash, 
You had your chance in the truck, in the wood stove. I'm done with you. Man, I'm glad that he doesn't say, I just quit with him. I've tried and I've been so patient with him. And I've, uh, he's had more access to the Bible than the majority of Christians. And, and he still doesn't get it. He's still not doing it. He still doesn't want to be in church. And he will not serve me for anything. And, and I'm done with him. He, this is his final sanctification till I come back or until I call him to heaven. I'm done with him. I want to thank God that he doesn't quit ever. That it doesn't matter how bad I am or how bad I go or if I'm in a high stage and I'm really doing good or if I'm in a really low stage and I'm doing really bad. Whether I'm reading my Bible through four times in a year or not at all for four years, God doesn't give up on sanctifying me. He is consistent and he is faithful to always do his job. But then the sanctification woke from her part. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the formal conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Well, I think a lot of times we get mixed up is it's not a layered jacket. It's not a, a dual jacket. It's not that we get a new one. At Christmas, Jason bought me a Milwaukee heated hoodie, which is phenomenal. Okay, it's like 100 degrees in there for two hours straight, and then you just switch the battery, and it's 100 degrees again. Um, the only complaint I had with it was it was like this really soft fabric, okay? Um, and so we worked with logs and wood, and, and it would rip really easily. But I had this flannel, which was not warm, but it was like a really durable, like, cohort material. And so I put the hoodie inside of the flannel, and they, they're always together. Now, I take them off together, and I put them on together, and that's just how they are. Um, and a lot of times I think that's how we do Christianity. We have the old man, and then we just try to put on the new man, on top of the old man, and, and weigh them together, and weigh them together. That means the things that I enjoyed before I got saved, I can still enjoy, but also I'll enjoy the, the Christian life over here. And I'm not going to necessarily take off the old man. I'm still going to seek worldly pleasures, and I'm still going to enjoy these things, and I'm going to do the minimum effort, maximum expectation on this end, but I'll just wear both of my coats. But God didn't call us to wear both the coats. He says, taking off the old man, laying that down, and putting on the new man. Not putting on the new man on top of the old man. And in, in church, when you're here on Sunday, it all looks really good. But on Monday, when you smash your finger in a freezing cold, it all looks really bad. It's not supposed to be a transformer where we can go from Christian to non-Christian to Christian to non-Christian. But we were, we were called in sanctification to take off the old man, to, to leave that sin behind, to leave those sinful desires behind, to put on a new man and to pursue a life after Jesus Christ. Sanctification from God's point of view is I'm not going to quit on you. I'm going to continue to do my job. And sanctification from our point of view is take off the old man. No longer desiring, no longer pursuing, no longer seeking worldly gratification and putting on the new man and pursuing the things of God. Tonight, I believe Jesus is enough because he completely satisfies. He completely supplies. He completely sanctifies. But I want to ask you a question tonight before we close. Is Jesus enough for you? Obviously, yeah, Jesus is enough for me, definitely. But sitting in this church building tonight, I ask you practically, not by what you think, but by what you do, is Jesus enough for you? When I was looking at this message, I began to look at people around Jesus. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Master, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he's like, I've already done it, and I want to be saved, and I, I want to be a follower of you, so what else do I lack? And he says, sell your goods. And all of a sudden, Jesus wasn't enough for him. If you look at John Mark, a disciple, writing in the Bible, and we see what Peter writes, John Mark has left the ministry, uh, having loved this present world. Now, he comes back to ministry later, and he helps Apostle Paul, but for that snippet in his life, he steps back. Jesus wasn't enough for him. For us tonight, guys, my fear isn't that we don't know that Jesus is enough, but my fear is that knowing Jesus is enough, he's not enough for us. And we live our lives saying, Jesus is enough on Sunday, but man, on Monday, I need this, or I need that. And we fall back wearing two coats, giving a minimum effort with a maximum expectation, and Jesus isn't enough. Tonight, guys, Jesus is enough. 
If you're not satisfied, he can satisfy you. If you have a need in your life, he can supply it. And if you need sanctified, if you say, well, I'm at right now spiritually, it's not good. He didn't quit on you. I was at college one time, and I had a professor get up in front of me, and he was about to launch a Bible class. And he looked down across the guys, a group of ministerial guys, and he said, how many of you are as close to Jesus as you want to be? We all sat there, and he's like, if you're not as close to Jesus as you want to be, go ahead and raise your hand. And every hand went up. And he said, i got to say, you're all liars. Because Jesus will be as close to you as you want to be. So if you're not as close to Jesus as you want to be, that's on you. And tonight, guys, Jesus is enough. If there's a void there between you and him, and that's on us, may we get that taken care of. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. And Jesus, I want to thank you for the fact that it doesn't matter who I am or where I am, you are enough. It doesn't matter what need I have, God, you can supply it. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling on the inside, God, you can satisfy. And it doesn't matter where my starting point is, God, whether from complete sin or or maybe, God, from a moral person, you can sanctify me into the person you need me to be. God, tonight, may we be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, are you enough for us? Are we living a life that says Jesus is enough? Or are we so busy pursuing other things that the world looking at us would say, is Jesus enough at all? God, when we honestly assess our lives, change that which needs change, that we may live a life that glorifies you. We love you, God. Help us to love you more. Keep us safe as we go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all guys are doing.